1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: All right. Welcome to another show of Around the Coin. We have... The three of us back today, and we are coming off a high in this pre-show. I'll tell you, we had, I think, the best pre-show we've ever had. So I'm excited to roll right into a conversation, uh, keeping, keeping the momentum going. Um, this is our second show of 2019, and I feel if there's anything, there's this commonality of the new year being a sense of reinvigoration and new perspectives, uh, you know, just open-mindedness in general is a common theme early on the year as people set New intentions, New Year's resolutions are top of mind. So, with that, we came off the last conversation in the last show, talking about uh, equality across the world, uh, all sorts of different backgrounds of different people and how they influence their perspective on the world. Uh, boy, where to start, Faisal, Brian? Um, I'd almost throw this question, yeah, out to you guys. How, how do you how do you guys feel about the current state of affairs and the, the direction we're moving uh, as a as a global society.
2: Well, good morning to you. And, you know, we were discussing inequality because this show is going to be about inequality and it is. And one of the things that we talked about inequality is how people keep making poor decisions. How do you stay poor? You stay poor because you make poor decisions. Well, Why are you making poor decisions? Well, you don't have access to the wealth of information that otherwise people who are well off have it and you will continue making poor decisions because you're using you know information that is simply not available to you uh and that's the kind of inequality we're talking about and more more on that we went we took a tangent and we said well why does why don't people have access to information that is now today very easy to get and the simple answer is because you know i, I don't think so people can handle it if everyone could handle this information from which they could make money um that someone has to lose money for them to make money, right? Uh, if if
0: isn't, that, isn't that such a common a myth, you know, that there, there's, a, there's zero scarcity, something. there's not enough to go around, uh, that if if somebody gets rich, somebody else gets poor, and this this is not reality, right? There's no – we're not running out of food globally. We're not running out of housing spaces globally. There is enough to go around. You well, know, I that, mean, that it myth. is. I mean, you
2: know, we, we are going to touch about that, and, you know, uh, i'm pretty sure brian had some amazing conversations on on, on on many things you know some things we can discuss some things we can't discuss on air uh, purely because of the focus and time uh, but you know really it starts with you know with the very false notion of let's let's take something very simple and we've heard all throughout trickle down economics trickle down economics is as equal to once upon a time you know it's no different it just doesn't work it's it's something that was made up purely for the basis of you know appeasing the the general society as much
0: so now the question of course is why do certain people have certain belief systems that hold them back and is there hope is there ways or how does how does how do things change how does information become go from online repositories of wikipedia and articles and youtube videos to changing common culture and belief systems right because there you would hope that as information becomes more widespread proliferated that people change the way they act and view themselves and the world around them in a way that's helpful and productive and leads to a better way of life do you think there are catalysts or things that stimulate that 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 growth or that uh, absorption of of new information new ways of of living and being or because in some sense it seems the the global ecosystem is Pinned against each other. There's this idea of nationalism that has this inherent idea that it's us versus them, whether it's Democrats, Republicans, or Americans versus whatever. You know, the, the idea of nationalism being a core-rooted, almost fear-based uh, uh, mental model. And I view the Internet in some ways as the, the, the hope to unionize one kind of common idea.
2: Well, let me let me tell you. The information is out there. You just need a good storyteller. Have you met my friend, Brian Romley?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Brian, welcome to the show. Give it up, everyone. Wonderful to
3: be here, guys. Uh, You know, Mike, what you're talking about is a Helgelian dielectric. Uh, It's a bifurcation of uh, plus and minus. We're taught this idea from our very early ages. The idea of team sports were really developed by... You know, the Greeks, but the Romans really materialized it. It became bread and circuses later on. But the idea is to keep the mind and the average person busy looking at this team versus that team. And if you're institutionalized to this sort of knowledge, because it's not our natural state, our natural state is not to create this dielectric, it has to be trained, it has to be learned. Uh, Children become competitive not in the way that we see team sports make us competitive. It's not an accident that a predominant amount of males throughout almost every culture have been indoctrinated at a very early age to team sports. Not against team sports in any way, shape, or form. Yet, it's interesting when you hear somebody say, I'm a Lakers fan for the last 20 years. What is the Lakers? over the last 20 years. I mean, none of the same people are in, on the team. So what's the team? Why are you supporting that team when it's really a collection of people? So the concept is support a team irregardless of who the people are. Now, how does this translate into practical sense? We institutionalize our ideas in institutions. We form these concepts at a very young age to say, I'm on this team. You might call it nat- nationalism. I try not to look in those terms. Um, and then you wrap it up with pride, which is natural. It's a natural to have pride over your ancestors, all of our ancestors, because we're all interrelated. When you bifurcate it into a cultural or a physical border called a boundary, and it's a big topic here in the United States right now, then you start looking at it from the perspective of us and them. And there are a lot of institutions that create us and them. And in fact, I would suggest that most institutions exist by the energy of us versus them, the good versus the bad, the evil uh, to be protected from. And so from a practical standpoint, like Faisal said at the beginning of the show, how does that impact your daily life? It is an permeation of everything you do in your daily life Uh, it is part of what I call a paradigm a paradigm is our subconscious programming that edits the world that we see there's no way that we can deal with the over 100 million bits of information coming in at every second our human brain can only handle 40 bits and uh, we had interviewed the guy that wrote the book The User Illusion to our Norstanders that absolutely 100% unequivocally demonstrates the fact that a human being can only handle 40 bits a second. So something has to edit that information. It's called a paradigm. So when we see the rich get richer, and we assume that we're just gonna have this lot in life, that's how our paradigms create our prison walls. The early philosophers understood in Platonic Cave, if you study Plato, Platonic cave is a lot of things. It's a metaphor for a lot of concepts. But one of the concepts was that we create our own jail cell. We create our own limitations. I'm as guilty as this as anybody else listening to it. Anybody who thinks that they don't participate in this fallacy that we create for ourselves is lying to themselves. We are human, and that's part of being human. Part of being human also is sharing the knowledge that the barriers that we create are artificial, We are the product of this universe. This universe, as far as I can tell, is endless and abundant. Therefore, anything that we are a product of means that we're endless and abundant. And when you hold on to that very simple, eloquent idea in scientific fact, it actually flows all the way down to the most ancient language and communications that we've ever had. That's one of the stories that we've been weaving from the beginning of time. It just gets distorted, colored, and adopted by other institutions to try to say, well, that is true, but the abundance is only available to us. (laughs) And the rest of those others aren't going to get the abundance because you have to create the notion of scarcity to create the bifurcation so that you can push away from those that don't have it so that you can keep the stuff that you do have. Does that make sense, gentlemen?
2: It does. It does. But, you know, one of the things is, you know, we have so much information. How does one even start? You know, uh, there are terminologies and tags or labels. You know, you might be a conspiracy theorist if you read this. You might be a wacko if you read this. You might be a nomad of information if you read this. (laughs) You know, there's just so much. It's not that the information is not there. The information is there. And I think the the biggest task is finding the right storytellers in making sure that that information still is in circulation and not just hidden in some book. We were were discussing about that that, that interstellar object that just entered the solar system, you know, um, that was discovered by this guy. And... uh, you know, had this information would never have been made public. Let's say forty years ago.
3: Absolutely not. You know, and and Doctor uh, Avi Loeb, uh, he who is a uh, you know a very highly regarded astrophysicist, uh, came to the only logical conclusion. You you use Occam's razor, and Occam's razor essentially says you have to eliminate. Uh, all of the ridiculous notions and come to the most logical notion, essentially. I'm paraphrasing, and a lot of people might have a problem with this. And
2: But well, Dr. Spock also have... said the same thing, right?
3: Exactly. Spock will always say these things.
0: <laughs> so, the simplest solution is the best one? No, well, no, no, like, no, well, no, 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 no. If, if you
2: eliminate uh, the impossible, whatever is left, however improbable, just might be the solution.
3: Exactly. And, and we have to, as a society, start to accept the fact that That there is a lot of information that we're going to be dealing with that we may not be readily available to deal with at this point. And the idea of a foreign object coming into our solar system that is definitely, definitely under some intelligent control.
2: Yeah, so just for for the reason, oh. readers who don't know, there is a, a floating rock that is cigar-shaped. It entered the solar system. It came in at a very high velocity, went into an even higher velocity, came in at an angle that usually defies the physics of the solar system that we're in, and is traveling at an angle that usually defies the physics of the solar system we're in. Came in from a very specific place called Vega. That's what it sounds like. There are only 30 known, um, how do you say... To rest solar systems, solar systems at rest where such thing could happen out of the billions and billions and billions so um, it is an extra it's it, it, it's an extraterrestrial event for sure no doubt about it th- th-
3: there's, there's no doubt it's, it's, it's not from our solar system we assume it's but a just rock. I,
0: yeah, you, yeah, but I mean it is it is still a, a theory i mean there's really no Every, it, it, it's the most likely theory, but it's not. Yeah. An, an it's.
2: A, I mean, it could. be. Yeah. A, it could be a rock. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It could be a rock. Hold that's a, a, that's okay. But,
3: Everything's a theory.
2: But it's a theory. yes, yes. It's the angle <laughs> and, at which it came is what is well, interesting, and the speed. And, and, and just two, and, two things, right?
3: The the angle and the speed, and it is in controlled motion, meaning that it's not just under the uh, arc of the gravitational uh, well, the the Einsteinian uh, special and general relativity that applies to it. So it is using gravity assist of our sun to come into our solar system. Very much like if we were on our way to go out to dinner and we stepped on an anthill, we probably didn't notice that we completely decimated and impacted the world down there. We're on our way to going somewhere else. It's very likely... That that's what's going on here. We we call it a rock because we don't know what else to call it because it sounds fantastical to call it anything else, and we are afraid of being labeled if we call it anything else. Also, the, the, it'd be so fact, nice
0: if it just looked like a spaceship, though. It just well, it it's does. Still so there, there, but it there, looks. There, I mean, it looks
3: just like a rock. It's just a strange well, shaped rock. Well, that's but, not yeah, a real image. <laughs> that's not a real image, by the way we We don't have really a real image. All we know is the shape of this object is unlike anything we've ever seen in our solar system occurring naturally. So, I wish everything looked like Elon Musk's retro rocket, But the constructs that humans create as an interstellar spacecraft is really what humans are imagining them to look like, the like death stars and things of that nature. Although Phobos over in Mars does very much represent... Uh, there's, a,
0: there's a there's a great podcast I'd recommend if anyone wants to learn more about this by Rob Reed on the After On podcast. He interviews the oh, yeah. Harvard... Astro- it's the lead, lead, uh, lead of the Department of Harvard's Astronomy Department. Uh, Avi yeah. Loeb, I believe his name his pronoun- pronounce pronounced his last name. And he talks about his pu- paper that he published, which basically he, his stance is that, look, th- the most likely... Logical conclusion is that this is uh, this is a this an object made by intelligent life. That that's what he deems is the most logical conclusion. Yeah. Which you so, know he's gotten a lot of a lot of criticism. A lot of people that just are a- allergic to that idea. That just resent it. And the show talks a lot about it. So
3: so so Great we have to we, we have to expand our mind into the idea that we're going to be confronted with new knowledge and wisdom. And you have to ask yourself, anybody listening here. How much are you willing to expand your mind? How much are you willing to accept knowledge and information that may have, in fact, been around for quite a long time, but only now being released? Uh, or even I, uh,
0: new information, new stuff that is, you know, that well, may have not been around. But well, even, even one of my favorite questions is, what do, what do you believe that in 100, hundred, two hundred, thousand years, we'll look back and say, can you believe that those guys in 2019 thought that X was true? and yeah, you get all sorts of interesting answers. That our
2: banking would last forever. That the value of money we created, known as fiat currency, is everything. It all would be pale into will be pale in comparison to once we discover once we expand out of this, you know, the third rock from the sun, you know.
3: Well, I I, I got to tell you, I got a little bit of I can share you with something. Um, a lot of knowledge. May have been around for a while, and people in positions of power and authority may have felt very uh, likely that it wasn't the time to disclose that. Uh, A friend of mine uh, from a group called Blink 182, um, uh, Tom DeLong, has started the To the Stars Academy Arts and Sciences. Now, a lot of people might find this all very humorous that uh, a punk. Rockstar, is talking about what is called disclosure. But he's gotten people from the National Security Agency, Central Intelligence Agency, the Aerospace Division of Lockheed, uh, a number of uh, physicists and PhDs to join him on what he is saying is going to be an event to disclose technology that has been around for a while that we discovered It did not come from this planet. And the To Stars Academy Arts and Sciences were one of the first uh, institutions to release Defense Department footage of objects that were moving at incredible paces. They were not swamp gas. They were not aberrations and reflections of the moon. They were not weather balloons. They were objects under intelligence control moving at between a 1,000 miles a second to over 10,000 miles a second at times. So we'll, we'll start seeing those videos soon. And you have people who are notable observers, expre- extremely experienced defense institutional individuals, including pilots who have been behind the cockpit for some 20 years, who are saying, I've never seen anything like that tracking these things in the cockpit. So we're not talking about. Bud, sitting in the swamps uh, of Florida, drinking a couple of beers and saying that, you know, the aliens took him and did experiments. We're talking about experienced observers who are seeing phenomenon that they cannot explain. So the reality is it's already been here. It's already been happening. That object, an extra stellar object that came into our solar system, um, you know, we might be egotistical and say, well, why didn't they stop by and say hi? Well, reality is there's billions of worlds, billions upon billions of worlds out there. They see a sun, they need gravity assist, and they left. And they left at a speed that is far faster than anything we've ever created. I mean, I wrote an article on Quora back about eight years ago. The fastest object humanity ever created is a Voyager 1 spacecraft. And uh, it is hurling um, thousands and thousands of miles a second. It's not even one hundredths one-one-thousandth, one-one-millionth of the speed that this object was moving. So, And that is not even close to the speed of light, by the way. We're not talking about this thing getting to any other star system. The direction that we've been able to calculate it going to, it's not going to reach any star system at current velocity any time in the next uh, three or four million years. But this this blue object and it's primarily blue, which is kind of an unusual color to see in a solar system. Um, blue is not a naturally occurring. Uh, uh, thing is basically it does uh, it does relay the idea that titanium might be involved. And again, this is speculative, but this is not something I just picked up yesterday. I've been studying astrophysics from a very young age. I, I wrote a paper about um, life below the water planets of ice, you know that um the geothermal uh, currents and the uh, decay of uh, atomic elements can in fact create water worlds below ice moonlets of Jupiter and Saturn. Turns out I was correct that when I was in the 1970s, I was writing about that stuff. So it's stuff that I've studied in in, in detail. The thing is, to be a scientist and to be a true scientist, you have to expect that you're going to be confronted with knowledge and information and wisdom that you may not be ready for. But you have to let it lead you where it takes you. And you have to be maybe confounded, but you have to walk that path. Uh, Anything other than that is called dogma and that yeah, is what kept us it's behind amazing.
0: it's it's very real in that you know there are certain belief systems that just uh they just permeate society in in a way that even even suggesting ideas like oh extraterrestrials came to the to the earth that idea is just you know you that you'd wipe that away is something that even i'm like all right well what's the you know you're looking for evidence effectively something that's convincing if there was i guess the most convincing thing that people would expect to see would be a ship landing what we've seen in movies right ship lands doors open green man walks out and everybody captures it on tv and it's like no all right everyone believes that that just happened so So, take
3: Uh, take a couple of steps in that theory right if 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 an advanced intelligence not super advanced but reasonably advanced to us say by a hundred thousand maybe a million years Anything beyond that, we're not going to be able to understand anything about them. That's a fact. Millions of years of uh, evolving uh, is going to change the way they communicate and the way they interact. But let's just assume that that happens. What's next? What really, if, if you really do the thought experiment, and a lot of people I know, people I work with at JPL and other scientists I know very well, think about what the next steps are. Are we going to open up a museum to this guy or gal? Are they going to be? Is it, are they going to be on a, in a zoo? Are they going to walk into the White House and say this is the way it is?
2: That's a great question. It, I mean, you know, like Monday morning, nine o'clock. Okay, they're here. What do you do? What, <laughs> what, what's up? No, what's up? Purpose after that, I, right? What's up? Does the stock exchange still continue to do business?
3: I would assert that almost everything that we understand and believe in will absolutely fracture. This is this is absolutely no equivocation about that. Once you understand who we really are, where we really come from, and how we really fit in, everything fractures from that point in time. And 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 I'm not saying that I that I necessarily you know subscribe to any popularly you know discussed theory out there. I just say that if there is that type of communication, the shock to the systems that it that that it will create will radically change everybody's belief system. And a lot of people will say, no, it won't really change mine. But I ask you how you formed your paradigms. And I can tell you how you formed them. The very first paradigm you formed was from your parents. That created your substrate. The next paradigm that was formed was by your greater group, uh, your relatives. Then the next A paradigm was formed maybe by the philosophical or religious beliefs that surround you. Then the next paradigms were formed by your culture and your society. And these paradigms hold us up and edit the information we see in the world and what we want to believe and what we want to think is going to happen next. Man is the only species. Humans are the only species that are born naked. We do not have any natural protections. We're not part of the landscape we create our landscape. We must build to protect ourselves. So in that notion, we must use our creative thought process. We must build paradigms of what the future will look like, or we will starve and die.
0: We evolved. If, would, The only reason we're, we survive is because we evolved to do that, right? To your point about not having any muscles, speed, or fur, you know, we, spikes. we just, <laughs> in the yeah. fact, we, we, we can think. Share ideas abstractly and we can build upon those ideas and work together as a team, one giant mind is that's that that's like the human power. I wonder if if that's an inevitable thing of life. Like you throw life, you throw a couple of multi-cell organisms on life, single cell, you give it a you know a few hundred million billion years, stir it around, and then do you get something that looks like a human or because I, I think in some ways you you kind of there there is a like a convergence on well, you have to manipulate objects with your hands. Or you absolutely. have to manipulate objects. Period. But, but so you know, in
2: hands. in in the uh, greater scheme of astrophysics or physics and life, this thing is called the Goldilocks conditions, right? Absolutely. So, so you have to have right, the right, Earth right. that is of certain mass. You have to have Sun of a certain mass. It has to be x many miles away, and all these conditions have to be one after the other after the other for life to happen there is a great ted talk uh, i would highly highly recommend it, you know if i had to recommend one ted talk this is one of them i actually would recommend three but this is one of them it's by a guy called david kristen it gave oh, it yeah. in uh, in 2011 oh, yeah. it's called the history of our world in 18 minutes yeah and it takes us from the big bang to today and th- th- there is a very unique thing he says he says you know humanity a ra- the difference between a rat and humans, is we take information forward. We, we store information, and we have institutional memory. We fast-forward that institutional memory to the next generation that comes, and a rat does not. A rat will find a way, figure out where the food is, and die, and that's it. Humans mm-hmm. will f- do the same thing, but they will pass that information on forward. We're the only, We're the only ones that do that. Yeah. This... Uh, TED Talk is a fantastic TED Talk. He's it, it, got something of I think he has something called the Big History Project, uh, which you must also look at. Yeah, And he would really you know, un- get an understanding of why information matters today for, exactly. for, for, for us to succeed. And it's acceptability no matter what the consequences may be, but the acceptability, even if it's rational or irrational or what have you, information matters a lot.
3: Exactly. and And you know, I I, I do this a lot to try to help people get a perspective. You know, over 70%, uh, I will will pick uh, the lower number, over 70% of your body is water. You take that water out, now you have this this basic, you know, carbon atoms and, you know, the various molecules that put us together. By body weight, over 50% of the human body, after you take the water out, is not even human. It's bacterial it's viral. It's things that are passengers that are coming along with us. Uh, We're finally, finally, in this last five years, we finally are accepting that our gut bacteria is incredibly important, not just for digestion, but for our brain. If we did not have the proper bacteria in our gut, we would not be able to think the way we do. In fact, one of the ways to find that somebody is entering into a form of psychosis and mental illness is to examine their gut bacteria and to notice the fact that they're losing their ability to process uh, the the right nutrients. So we are a collection of species inside a bag we call skin. Now the ancients said as above, so below what's inside is what's outside. What's very interesting is that is probably one of the most basic truths that ever existed as we go deeper and deeper and deeper we find there's more and more as we go out further and further we find there's more and more what we think is life if we were a bacteria living inside of a human being do you know something we would think that we were the top banana we would think that we are the life and the we would not even see that we're part of something larger, called a human being. It would be a ridiculous notion to tell a bacterium that they are, in fact, being carried around by Bill, and Bill's about ready to go to the bathroom, and you're going to be floating somewhere down uh, a sewage channel. That bacteria would find, if they could conceive of this idea, hilarious. They would say, you're insane. What is this big body holding me? Show me the body. I can't see it. You can't point it to me. I can't touch it. There's no theory. You're crazy. So what I tell people is suspend your disbelief. Have critical thinking, but suspend your disbelief if you really want to see what the frontier looks like. I've spent my entire life finding the frontier and crossing it. I to seek out these people. I spend almost all of my waking moments finding the people who are crossing these lines. And most of them damn look like they're insane. And some of them maybe are. You know, Einstein said that to most of his colleagues, he was insane until they turned around and they said this crazy patent clerk that uh, dropped out of high school and wasn't really accepted at any university. Maybe he's got an idea there.
0: Yeah a- and, and he was in many ways they, they didn't want to believe. I mean that was a dr- pretty dramatic change to the way that people oh, yeah. understood the the universe and you know now we take it as commonality that it's just the way it is with Einstein's discoveries but that was a huge shift. Looking at those guys, I mean growing up Brian, did you feel especially around Princeton with with Einstein being such a I'm sure huge role model for you? Did you what what attracted you to this uh this path, this like path of interest in finding this, I guess you'd call it uh non-common pockets of information and knowledge throughout history. It's it's something that's really special. Not a lot of people have. And you know, having done all the research and talked to these people, you bring just a tremendous amount of insight to you know to the show and to everyone else around. How, how did you get that? What what was your spark? Where did you get that interest to even do it in the first place?
3: Wow, well thanks Mike. Um I I, I I was just so lucky to be in the 1970s, uh, late 60s, 1970s, 1980s, to be at what I thought was ground zero for the scientific and technological revolution. It was uh, the Institute of Advanced Study, Princeton University, Bell Laboratories, David Sarnoff Research Center, of RCA. These were magnitudes l- larger, what we actually see in the Silicon Valley with Google, Stanford University, Apple, and all these things. Why? Because there were people that were paid just to think. They weren't paid to make products. The Bell Laboratories was, unfortunately or fortunately, part of a monopoly. And they had so much money that they essentially just found hundreds and hundreds of people who, some of them, I would watch them walk around barefoot in their pajamas back in the 60s and 70s. And they were paid to think. And I got to meet these folks they changed me immeasurably. I have no embarrassment for being on the edge. I don't care, at this age especially. When I was younger, it's like, oh, this guy's going to sound like a wacko. I don't care.
0: Do you think, Brian, that, do you you think that there was a, around the 60s, must have been such a, such a, I mean, I think about it a lot, and I grew up in the, I was born in the late 80s, that the 60s were, you know, we had the Civil Rights Movement, we have the the, uh, uh, Vietnam War going on, you had, The Beatles doing their thing, spreading the world. You had the psychedelic movement. um, Landing on the moon. Landing on the moon. I mean, you're both confronted with this paradox of this is the greatest, most inspiring time to be alive. But this is also, it could potentially be destroyed in any minute. And I I mean, I have to think that that psychedelics played some role in the questioning of the norms of society. And then their backlash with the war on drugs for 30 years, no research on it. And just now, within the last, you know, 10 years or so, there's uh, FDA uh, expedited approvals on MDMA trials, marijuana becoming legal across the United States, across the world. Mushrooms right behind it is on the DMT, ballot. DMT is starting uh, to uh,
2: be a, a, And, and why is that? You know, I, I, I use one Look, word, information, yeah, infor- I, information tolerance. Information has made us more tolerant. Because yes. it was it was compartmentalized originally. It was not shared. It was given an opinion and shared the way the let's say the system wanted us to view it as. But now we have the right to make up our own minds. We are more better informed. Information tolerance. That's what it does. And that's that's the key differentiator. The the, the, the it is not compartmentalized anymore.
3: It, it is and and like you were saying earlier in the show, Faisal is what what separates. The haves from the have-nots, and I won't necessarily just call financially poor. What I mean by the haves and have-nots are those that have access to wisdom, not just data, not just information, but wisdom and maybe some insights. Wisdom is the top of the pyramid. Insight is just below that. Um, That is actually separating more rapidly than ever, and we've created infrastructure where we can mute the voice of people. Who we find intolerable. We will deplatform them. We will take them off social media. We will make sure they have no way to make financial uh, contributions and we will shut them down. The moment they come for them, whoever they are, they will ultimately come for others. It's a slippery slope when you start saying, well, we're a private company and we have to keep the peace. So we're going to mute this particular point of view because it's politically expedient to do that today. I suggest that anybody listening to me open their mind wide enough to say there are no words that hurt anybody. We allow those words to hurt ourselves, and that is ancient wisdom. We decide in a free and liberated, open-minded society that no words hurt anybody that we allow those words to hurt ourselves and that the free-flowing of knowledge and wisdom and information must have tolerance. The age of reason, which produced our modern culture, was almost muted. It came at the end of a thousand years of darkness. That was the ending of the Library of Alexandria. Hypatia was murdered and tortured because she held millions of scrolls, which are now gone, assumed to be burned, of wisdom and knowledge that we were not allowed to know about. Is this we the were,
0: dark at 1200? You're talking about 200. A thousand
3: years of darkness after the, the, the destruction of Library Alexandria. It was not an accident. We gave ourselves a lobotomy, brain damage. As a society and as a culture, we rejected open and reasoned thought and so, it was we, so we we had what
2: systematic curation for a thousand years
3: yes that was the dark and
2: age. And, and, and is that has that is that going to like dissolve now would we have more systematic curation
3: it's 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 happening again isn't it i mean i
2: i, I mean uh, if, I, I mean you know people.
3: I, i'm sorry if some people listening to me like the idea that they can smite somebody off of a social media platform because whatever their views are, they, don't dis- they, they disagree with them. I'm not saying I agree with, with anybody's views necessarily. I'm saying that the moment that we can get the pitchforks and the torches and the tar and the feathers and there ought to be a law and we need to smite somebody's voice, we have started a process that I can tell you has never in the human lexicon of history has ever worked out well. And all we're doing it is we're recreating it in its modern form. This form of censorship, this form of making fun of people who have crazy ideas is no different than seeing Galileo being destroyed. or, or well, Brian, or
0: seeing... one, one thing, I, I your point there, one thing that's, I think, dramatically different now than it ever has been throughout history, say now in the age of the internet, is we used to look upon institutions as the as the de facto location to find respectable information you know science was done in in laboratories
3: it's it's
0: still it's still still true to a degree but you know when you say okay well what is the most likely answer to whatever question i'm debating or talking about it's well it's probably held in harvard yale stanford it's just one of these places but now it's like there's this institutional questioning of sorts because you look at institutions and realize the biases that are baked in not to take anything away from the the academic process scientific process but there are large biases there that are
3: michael today we have people that are called debunkers and their job some of them are professional debunkers some of them are armchair debunkers their job is to ridicule any idea that does not fit the norm they are no different than the Spanish Inquisition. I'll give you an example. You gave me a link. The link is on pubmed.gov, and it's calc- calcite microcrystals found in the pineal gland of the human being. It's a very well-designed well academic study that came out in 2002. The notion of calcite microcrystals in pineal gland sounds very, very, very esoteric until... We start really thinking about it. What is pineal gland? It has more retina cells sometimes than some retinas of the vast species on the planet. About 30% of the retina cells um, of a human eyeball is found in the pineal gland. Oh, well, Brian, it's a vestigial organ. That's interesting. It's a vestigial organ that takes up a tremendous amount of resources out of the body. Why is it still there? Well, it, it, it creates uh, melatonin. True. It synchronizes your ability to sleep and awake. That's nice. That's kind of all we think it does. Oh, it does produce DMT. We're not quite sure why or how. That's interesting. But why is the calcite in there? Well, you know, nature made the pineal gland so bad that it just seems to accumulate crystals somehow. We're not sure why, but that's what we're going to call it. The same people that said 9 out of 10 doctors prefer Lucky Stripes. What really is going on is they don't know, and they don't have a theory until you really start looking at uh, calcite microcrystals. What's unusual about them? Well, there's something very unusual. They are they have the ability to photoluminescent. Uh, they have the ability to have piezoelectric effect, and you're saying to yourself, this well, is
0: the same effect that quartz was used right to first create uh, electric or, or quartz watches. Right, that same exactly. resonant frequency inside of a crystal, right? So there's nothing. So there's each question.
3: No, no, there's there's no debate about any of this. And I'll let the listener conclude where this might go because I'm not going to conclude it. I I just leave you with some threads that might pique your interest. So we have a retina in the center of a brain called the pineal gland, shaped like a pine cone, with the ability for the calcite crystals to create an incredible array of colors inside the darkness of our brain, inside an area that has essentially an eyeball. This piezoelectric photoluminescence inside the head, why is it there? This is border frontier science. And the moment you go and you look at the institutions that will help you guide, help guide you, What is Brian talking about? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Snopes. And there's going to be an expert up there at Snopes that's going to tell us if it's true or false. (laughs) And... Or I'm going to go to Wikipedia, and there was some guy that sat there and he kept well, editing that Well, they just don't
0: papers. know. I mean, I think the most most well, leading scientists would 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 agree that hey, we just don't know what you know whether it's consciousness, the source of consciousness, whether it stems in the body, whether it's received from you know like a collective signal, whether it, like created, whether we can create it inside of a machine. People debate how how far down consciousness goes, the life scale. Uh, sure. whether ve- trees and, and animals have, you know, both experience a similar kind of thing. All of these things are still up for debate. So I think in many ways, there's no real consensus at all between yeah. how we went from rocks in the, in the universe to to life, right? That jump is still hugely, exactly. I wouldn't even say debated, but unknown.
3: L- l- let, me get, let me get factual, it really turn my mind on this. Uh, I, I, I ran across a doctor at, at Princeton that was studying this effect. And uh, this was the 1970s. So this is not new information. He was about as far as you can get from any New Age theorists, conspiracy theorists or whatever you could ever imagine. And what he did is uh, he was working with cadavers and he was able to collect uh, the liquid results from the pineal gland of uh, people who have donated their body to science. And in his lab one day, Unfortunately, one of the scalpels fell at exactly the same time the power went out in his office. And the scalpel fell right on to the liquid and it produced a rainbow effect that filled the entire room with light, his words. I'm not going to tell you the doctor's name because he is still alive and does not want me to speak of his work. But that light drove him on a study a path which he cannot publish when he brought up to his colleagues what he was on you know the path he was on they said you're not going to get funding your career will be ruined you'll be the laughingstock do it privately share it with us and this is still going on
0: so, right, I'll, I'll say, man. I think we're, I think we're at a change. I think society is realizing that, and you can see it. In, but let me, let me draw it to a political stance. Not saying we'll dive into politics, but look at politics as a lens for sure. perspective. Say, okay, well, what's going on? So we have, in the United States, just using that as, as our example, you have a scenario where, where politicians have, have developed this reputation for saying. Hey, things are going to be great. We're going to reduce taxes. We're going to improve healthcare. We're going to improve infrastructure. We're going to improve defense. We're going to improve education. It's going to be great. We're going to rally together. And they they kind of know deep down that like we're probably not going to make that much of a change. I'm going to take money from super PACs, and we're going to be in the same situation in four years, vote for me again. And people people realize like, hey, you watch the politicians, and you're like, oh man, that guy's full of shit. You know, and you're, you're the more you you realize that that they're full of crap, and the politicians this is a this is a point i I heard recently the politicians know that the people know that the politicians are are full of bullshit, then you get into this this system of like, whoa, we're just voting for people that are just feeding us garbage that we don't even want to listen to and so Trump comes in and says something that for him, for him is actually what he believes deeply to be true. I mean he's not putting on. I think a show to say he's making up an illusion about the world. I mean, he's at least in some sense saying it as he perceives it to be true, and that sense of genuineness of, of like trueness is is one of the biggest criti- criticisms of Clinton and and why people would view Trump as the one who who ended up winning. And that sense of uh, of like genuineness, I guess, for lack of a better word, is really what's the the common thread. And so if things get brought up like oh. You know, we were talking about the pine cones, the symbolism of pine cones throughout history, the connection of pine pine cones were named after the pineal gland, or was it vice versa? But there's a connection there, and there are things that were true throughout history, and that, you know, I think people are getting to the point where they're just accepting, open mind, being more open-minded. I think psychedelics in particular, the... The advent of MDMA and baked into Western medicine now and becoming more accepted as a means to not only treat depression and post-traumatic stress disorder and other uh, clinically acknowledged uh, uh, clinical issues, but for the everyday person to see the world in a different way those things kind of like like a flower blooming and opening up, they become something that we can each connect to. And you start, and the benefit right now, bringing it back to our day-to-day lives is when you kind of have this open-minded yet skeptical approach to just about everything, it helps you synthesize all the ideas that get thrown around. And you think, well, Absolutely. okay, a border wall. You know, what it, am I for or against a border wall? Removing the identity politics from every topic of conversation and really doing your best to become a filter for what you believe to be true right? Really true and not connected to identity politics and your team. So, you know, whether it's a wall, whether it's public uh, healthcare, whatever conversation or, or discussion comes up, whether it's what you want to do in your career, what impact you want to make, whether you want to start a company, join a company, volunteer, live in a different place. How do people make decisions about these things? Is kind of, there's no real consensus, right? We kind of just flutter, butterfly through our, our lives. And there doesn't seem to be much of a structure to it. So in some ways, I see this movement as such a beneficial uh, means for helping people develop this kind of structural uh, way of looking at their life and and like a commonality of of mental models to look at their life and the world around them. It helps as humans. We just love stories and putting together our story with the world's story and being able to tell a good story. We were talking about that as
3: soon as we jumped up. And and, and I I guess... the, the the message that we're trying to transmit here is that if you want to see a different world in front of you, you need to change inside of you. You need to start allowing yourself not to be so quick to put anybody else's vision down or views down. It, it, it suspend disbelief and understand that this may be truly this person's worldview. And don't define people and categorize people by one issue. Or two issues, or three issues, or a thousand. Humans are indefinable. I've never met one person that is only X. And
0: yeah, I just think about if you were born in a different place and time. I mean, I love talking to, to Faisal about this because you've got just such a different world perspective. Yeah, you yeah. know, I would—I'm sure I would believe something dramatically different and be a much different person if you're just happy to be born in a different body and. You know, talking pre show about the different languages and the different words that are explained in different languages, these, these languages have baked in ideas because of the meaning of different words. There are words in German and, and in Hindu that you just can't communicate well in English.
3: You know, and, Faisal, Faisal's really got to talk to that just uh, just a little bit because he was speaking to us about how intricately woven music is into the culture that he was brought up into. I think Faisal, can a, you
2: speak it, to that a bit? I think it's a DNA thing, right? So in, in if you look at uh, the modern uh, pop and rock or whatever, music that comes in the, in, in the United States or in the West, it's about 100, 200 years old at best. And if you look at the most famous songs, they're all about popularity. Um, and then they look at the lyrics. Yeah, okay, fine. But if you look at these songs and the music that comes from South Asia, Indian, the Indian subcontinent, etc., it's thousands of years old. The lyrics, also, the meaning, also. The lyrics are very complicated, so they would be using some very complicated words that you would actually need some people to decipher in many ways as to what the meaning is. But it's the way that, you know, when you hear those words, you get goosebumps or you get um, a very deep-rooted, it'll pierce into your soul and move you. And that's just something that doesn't happen with Western music. And people who go on these uh, musical safaris, if I may, you know, even though it's a different continent altogether, and go and study Rumi and go and study, you know, the music from, or the poetry and the artists from um, the Indian subcontinent, they are moved beyond words. And it's not something you can just go once, but it can also happen if you just go once. But once you understand what you're listening to, it'll just move you, you know, really deeply and passionately, it'll be a life changing experience. You tell that mm, to an average you, 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 like, you, you, you to an average Joe on Main Street America. It's like, really? Music? Really? That's you know,
0: it. You know? So yeah, it's, it's, like it's music and art are the halfway ground between what we know and what we don't know. The unknown. Exactly.
3: That's beautiful because it connects us to our ability to expand our mind beyond where it is today. And the 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 line that we were talking about earlier the haves and have-nots. One of the sort of common well, 50,
2: elements... 50% of your brain is, is, is artistic, right? So, you know, of course. know what's happening yeah. over there? What happens when you turn up the volume over there?
3: Exactly. And, and so what we're, I think we're trying to get across, uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job here, is if you want success, it's new year, if you want success in your life, one of the ways you get there is by expanding the possibilities. You can only see what you think is possible. And if you don't think it's possible, you won't be able to see it. Therefore, you can't make it. It's not positive thinking. It is a fact of life. We are inventors. We are creators. And we can't create or invent unless we're able to see it and conceive of it first. And that's our creative like the, thinking. This was like the
0: single biggest idea. Or Steve Jobs was interviewed on that. There's a YouTube video. I'm sure you can search Steve Jobs interview probably come up number one, but he says that same idea: everything around you is created by people who are no smarter than you. And exactly. once you realize that fact, you can yeah do anything. It's so it's, true. It's
3: power. Uh, it's power. And 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 I and we we talk about money, coins, finance, banking. It all comes from this: your work product. You're only going to trade your wisdom or your t- hours for money. This is how it's always been. That's what it will be in the future. I hope people listening to us can start mm. finding in their mind that their time is probably okay to get money for, but let's try to see if we can help you get your knowledge and wisdom and earn money off of that. That's the magnifier effect. That's the multiplier effect.
2: I'll tell you about a little thing. You know, someone who I call maestro in my real world, who brought me into reading books and everything. I was absolutely fascinated when I met this gentleman about fifteen years ago. About the amount of knowledge he had, and at first I thought, you know, bullshit. He's just making all these dates and facts up. And then I started doing fact checking, and you know, lo and behold, it was true. And you know, he, I I I said, you know, hey, I want to be like quote unquote, I want to be like Mike here, right? And um, he says, well, the only way to do it is you got to give yourself years. You got to read. You got to read, 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 read. And I did that. But it takes so much long just to sort of focus and hone in your skills on a certain thing. I think the general society at large is not patient enough to do that, and it's probably not even uh, uh, constructed to do that, right? That's not even their mission. Uh, Like you said, 99.99% of the world is is, is turned and churned by ordinary people. A street cleaner may want to read about, you know, the cosmos etc and so forth but in his in his daily life to put food on the table that information may or may not be relevant the information about the pineal gland may not be relevant it may be his curiosity that may want him to there but otherwise that information is not relevant for his 99 percent of his daily life
0: you, you know, uh, Faisal, what, what, wouldn't you say though that it's the, the you're looking on the external view? So people have two poles they operate on the physical, material, outside objective world and the inside, inner, insight world. And where is the trouble today, right? When you look at like the addictions, opioid, the bipolarism, the the I think the, tolerance. The, the, I think I think it, it, it
2: all comes down to tolerance. We want to be liberal, but then we don't want to be tolerant, right? So the minute That's because right. because <laughs> when, the minute the minute we say we're liberal, but but yeah, we're liberal. But well, the minute you say but, you're negating what you just. It's you, all oh, it's you, all over you, when right, you put it, the but in it, there. When, <laughs> when you put the but in there, right? So so yeah. if you don't like some asshole who makes a you know a, a point of view that is just contrary to yours well, guess what you got to be tolerant enough of that now you uh, built now you uh, built a line and you might as well call that a exa- gate a fence or a wall well, exactly but the thing is then what happens maybe this quote unquote asshole is actually right maybe this is what the path is maybe because maybe your 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 years of belief will not allow you to accept that this was the right thing to do or whatever etc so you know you have to be very tolerant in society and that i think human beings we can't just all walk together and be tolerant and not, you know, and not be hyenas and eat, you know, each other out and so forth. So <laughs> Still I, I,
0: fighting I, that animal, <laughs> that primal brain. Yeah, primal.
2: exactly. And and I think we'll keep fighting that thing. And I, and I don't think this is why the the inequality will remain regardless. Yeah. It will remain. Yeah. It's out there. The information is out there, but it's for you to find it. But the inequality will remain because of this thing, because we come, we are, we are judgmental by nature. You know, speaking
3: of books, Faisal, and I I can't agree more that you need to find ways to feed your brain. There's no other ways about it. I use multimodal ways of doing that. I have voice synthesis reading to me all the time. I listen to audible, audible books of the author reading their own works. I think there's profound wisdom just hearing those voices. I read, obviously. But a book that I think should help people understand tolerance is by Julian James, the breakdown of the bicameral mind. And Julian James is an incredible um, uh, thought leader. He's gone now, but it it, it was a, it was a book that was really not very well understood when it was written in the 1960s. And essentially is showing that the humans were able to, to just recently, understand some of these abstract uh, abstract concepts that we're talking about right now so we're really just infants playing with this new creative babies
0: we're all babies yeah just 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 picture this reality when a baby is born and they poof they open their eyes and they come online that everyone around us was was that baby that that we were all just started from that infant and then everything we have now is just layered on you know, every identity we have is and
3: layered on from that moment. And I some, wanna, have, I wanna... some have parents that are giving them a little bit of a head start. Yeah. And we're trying to be those parents, if you will, because you can get your head start by realizing that almost everybody has an advantage to knowledge. That is where wealth is coming from, is a knowledge advantage. You can do the same thing. And it, yeah, it, true. It, yeah. it, it, it's it's as simple as that.
0: Faisal, I'm coming to you for the last remark here. So, Preeshal, we talked about the, uh, the, the 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 Hindu words. Can you give us one sentence in the in the native tongue of a, a Hindu phrase, or even just uh, words from a song this. that you like?
2: Oh man, that is just so. You put me on the spot. Yeah, he's on the spot. Uh, uh, I'm sure you know
3: it. Come on, be poetic for us.
2: For you know, there are Doing so many. City. No, I need I I I I really can't think give of Give us anything. all right, how
3: about one
0: word? What's a what's a word? What's a give yeah. us a couple just a, powerful a few words? Word to,
3: from the ancient th- yeah.
2: <laughs> mm, oh god. You know, there's a song it uh, there's sung sung was well, sung by one of the it was an, I it wasn't I don't know who he was. He was just some guy who used to visit shrines and everything else. And um uh, and and I told you we discussed about this thing and he was singing the song about his love for God. The omnipotent, and he says, you know, who is he? He says, he's everything. He says, but well, what is everything? And then he sang all all the bits that he could think of, you know, my love is you know, my love is you, my my religion is you, my faith is you, my belief is you, and so he's trying to define the word universe, you know, my my everything, and what is that word everything, right? So it was very difficult. For that's a non native language speakers to understand what he was trying to say, but for the person who understands the language and when they listen to that song, it says they go into a trance almost, you know, instantly. It's an ir- uncontrollable injection of THC right there. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Guys,
0: it's been one of the best conversations I've had. So uh, look forward to the next one. So thank take, you so much. Take Thanks, care. And take we'll care. speak
2: soon. Bye bye.
1: The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the hosts, co-hosts, and guests appearing on the show and do not necessarily reflect the view of the owners and producers of the show. Paid advertisements in form of audio announcements may appear throughout the show, including this one. Advertising can also include print and other digital formats. The owners and producers of Around the Coin do not endorse or evaluate the advertised product, service, or company, nor any of the claims made by the advertisement. All programs are subject to a one-time charge for professional editing fees for which the interviewing guest or guests may have contributed towards. The owners, producers, hosts, co-hosts, and guests on the show are not financial advisors. Any investment advice or opinion cited during the show is for information purposes only. None of the content is intended to be investment advice. Seek a duly licensed professional for investment advice. If you believe there's been any violation of your copyright, trademark, service mark, or any other type of intellectual property, please inform us in writing by sending an email to legal at aroundthecoin.com.